Might as well fire away. That's right. Yeah. Welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark. Uh, my name is Ben. We're here to talk about shooting on deck tonight. Uh, we've got Mr. Matt Hopkins. Hi, everybody. Matt says hi, everybody. And we have Mr. Tyler Turner. Hello, Internet. Hello, Internet. So, uh, well, you guys know the deal. Everybody comes here with the topics and fun stuff to talk about. So, I guess that means uh, we're going to all talk about topics. And, uh, well, let's get to it. Uh, Tyler, I think you, you seem kind of fired up. Like, maybe you want to go first. Yeah, well... I don't know. I feel like ranting about it, but uh, as we discussed pre-show, I don't think it would do any good. Plus, like, I'm even, I'm kind of loath to even revisit this because I'm not sure if it'll be productive, but I don't know. It's been bothering me since the last time, since uh, the late interview episode, so let's talk about it. Well, I, I should say this. I got a lot of, um, a lot of interest from people, uh, other emails, like I can read one and maybe you can play off of that, uh, of that, uh, email, uh, man, man, actually I'm in front of me, I'm looking at two. So if you'd like, I can read these emails, which you don't even know what they're going to say and you no, can I, jump in and react. How's I that think, sound? I think that will be fun. I think that'd All be right. Fun. So here I've got one, Ben, I'm fairly current on your podcast. Uh, listening, and there's been recent discussion about growing our sport. Lots of people are of the mindset that we should grow our sport. This is bullshit in so many ways for most people, and here's why. The sport is oversaturated at the moment. For the past several years, many local and major matches either sell out in a few minutes, or in the case of local matches with no cap, are entirely too populated and take all day to shoot. Literally, 9 to 5. Top that off with a bunch of dudes who treat the game like they are customers, pay their 20 or 25 bucks to shoot a local, don't fucking help run matches, show up and then leave after the last shot fired. This has led to a fair amount of burnout, as in my area, seven. It is normally the same small group of dudes uh, from all over who actually run things and the same entitled shooters who show up and shoot and don't help. In my opinion, before we grow the sport, there needs to be some changes or support thrown down to the low levels of the organization. Uh, and then he's got some specific suggestions, which I'm not sure are relevant, but uh, there you go. What, what do you, what's your reaction to that, Mr. Tyler? Well, that's, I mean, that's one of the many reasons why I'm, I'm skeptical at best about using growth, especially membership numbers, as the metric for success. And I think, you know, a lot of people parrot that. They want to talk about how much the sport is growing, but I don't know that that's, I mean, what's inherently good for you and I as existing shooters about having, you know, more members? Well, should we draw a comparison? Let's draw a comparison. Um, I think that the way we determine what the best movie is, is the one that made the most money. Okay. Does that sound fair? That's one so way. Like as an overall, uh, or what do you mean? Like that's one way. More participants, more, more people participated in the movie on some level. Therefore, we can determine then the best movie. So then, objectively speaking, the best movie domestically of all time is Star Wars Episode Seven. Just we settled it, Tyler. Is that? <laughs> do you like that? I don't. I, I do not like that. Actually, you don't. You I don't that. like that's that at all. What? That's a good way to determine, like, how to pay people, right? 
No, but it did $936 million domestically. Therefore, it is objectively the best. Or for who? What do you mean? Just for everyone, it's the best. Is it? I don't know. This is, I mean, this is the brain dead thinking of people who lack more participation. Like, I think that's fucking brain dead, but, you know, there you go. What do you think, Tyler? Well, I mean, I, to me, like, whether we have 25,000, 35,000, uh, 500,000, like, that part does not matter to me as a uh, a competitor within this sport or a participant or consumer or however you, you, you want to put it, it it would actually probably be more beneficial as a consumer uh, to have fewer people. And as the the person mentioned in his email, if you don't have to fight to register for not uh, much less major matches, uh, local matches. I don't know how it is around you guys, but uh, sometimes it's a chore to get into to locals around here because the demand is so high. I mean, we're creating demand, or we claim to be creating demand, but the equilibrium of that you know, economics problem is you have to have supply to meet demand. Um, well, how about this, Tyler? Do you think that all participation is equal? So I'll say some stuff now that will probably piss some people off a lot, but I'm, I'm good with it. No, I, I think it's obvious that it's not. Yeah, so there's a big difference between a dude who comes out and shoots his monthly USPSA match every month, um, shoots his state section match, and uh, goes to nationals, and he's training – He's doing dry fire five days a week and he's doing live fire uh, once a week or something practice. Like that's somebody that I really want around. And that is a very different person than somebody who shoots, you know, shoots their club match when it's not raining, never fucking practices and just kind of shows up and, you know, kind of participates. But they're not like, you know, I don't have a problem with those people coming, but it's like that's like. You know, I'm not interested in attracting more of them. How's that sound? Well, well, right. And but that's the problem is that is it's it was very clear to me from our interview with Layton. And this is not against Layton. You know, there's people out there. They're going to accuse me or you or Matt or all of us of attacking Layton. That's not the case. I like Layton. He was he was super pleasant. He was a gentleman. He was affable. Like, yeah, it was. It was great to talk to him. That's not the point. The point is it became very clear very early that that is exactly who we want to cater and market USPSA to. Gun show guys, gun store guys. And uh, I don't know. Numbers are not the metric. It's the quality of the competition. And I... To me, that's obvious, but, you know. that's Well, you're coming. Here's the problem. You're outgunned in terms of numbers. Guys right. with your, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we represent maybe 15% of the people, like, uh, shooting. Maybe. If I had to put a number on it. It's not a high number. So why do you guys think that that's what they were briefing and that's what they were talking about? What do you mean? 
So why do they use that as a metric? More participation? Yeah. Uh, I think it sounds cool. Like, I think if, uh, if you're going to run USPSA like you run a corporate, like a corporate business, it's like you would, well, how many people are participating? How many matches do we have? Uh, what's the, like the classifier counts always my favorite one, like that they have that number and put that out there. Like, like that means anything. Well, um, it, all three of those things do one thing, generate money to the organization, right? Yes. Okay. So yes. everything that was briefed it generates money to the re- like to the organization. Yeah, it's revenue. I'm not sure yeah. people understand the, the organization's financial position either. Matt, maybe you could speak to clear. this, but the it's organization the has a lot of money compared to what they need to spend it on. Like the organization is past financially healthy. Well, is that, a lot that's, of people. That's a fair characterization. Matt? A lot of USPSA members. Yes. I'm, I know I'm talking over you, Matt, but a lot of USPSA members probably don't realize that USPSA is a not-for-profit organization. It's a 501c3, if I remember. But that's correctly. one of the best ways to make money. Yeah. I know that's rude to say, also, but um, it's it's a good money maker. Unfortunately. I mean, if you're positioned. It's- Yes, of course. If you're positioned. <laughs> yes. Well, here, th- this provides a good segue. This is what I really want to talk about. The thing that stuck with me and bothered me the most. I mean, I've kind of been stewing on this for about a month. It's been about a month since we recorded that interview. And again, nothing about Leighton, people. He's great. I like him. But he said, he told us explicitly that the board of directors don't run USPSA, the organization. He said that it's run by the president and unelected officers and directors. That bothers me. Let me tell you why. I'm looking at the bylaws. I printed them out. (laughs) Anyone can go and print out the USPSA bylaws and read them. Article 5 Board of Directors says verbatim, The board of directors shall be responsible for directing the overall policies of the corporation. A primary responsibility of the board is to provide strategic planning and leadership on key issues to ensure the long-term health and viability of the organization. Specific areas of board responsibility include, but are not limited to, financial strategy, including the budget, planning, investment strategies, membership recruitment and retention strategies, marketing strategies, Strategies for the format and location national championship matches, so on and so forth. It's clear that the bylaws, at least as intended, intended the organization to be run chiefly by the board of directors. If you look at the, and I'm not going to read the entire bylaws verbatim, but it's clear also when it talks about the duties of president that he is to execute basically the vision of the board. If you read this and you have any understanding of corporate structuring at all, or really English, like he's more <laughs> of a, the president, at least according to the bylaws, is more of a chief operations officer than a chief executive officer. And again, I'm not ta- attacking Foley. I know how this is. Leighton explicitly said this is how it is. I'm just saying what the bylaws say about it. So is it 
if things are are cool and revenues good like i mean i know people don't care but should we care and if about, so about what, what should we should the organization follow the equivalent of its constitution like what amounts to the highest law in the land or should um, we is it irrelevant in good times Oh man! See, I'm ranting now. I didn't intend to you're rant. Not, uh, this, as rants go, this is I know fairly benign, Tyler. You're, you're not going on. You're, you're not talking crazy. Uh, look, I I think most people probably you're probably right that most people don't really care. I think it's um, I think Layton kind of laid it out, and uh, nothing nothing that came out of his mouth uh, surprised me. Let me put yeah. it that way. Uh, it's been it's been pretty obvious who's running the show the last five years, and you know, there you go, that's it. And uh, it's up to the board. The, the board needs to step up and do something about it, which they're not going to do because, um, well, it seems everyone's kind of on on board with the track that things are going on. Nobody's really pushing back in the organization, quite honestly. Like I'm not going to run to be on the board. <laughs> like no way, not a chance. Like for me, other people of my mindset are never going to fuck with us because it's not there's no upside to it. And you just end up alienating a lot of people for no real reason. You know what I mean? It's like if I go to a match that's really fucked up, um, I'm best off just not going back to that match rather than, you know, trying to do something about it. Well, I and I think this may partially explain, you know, issues like are various cheating scandals. It's because they don't care as we're, as we're positioned. Well, they don't care. It, you maybe, can just say, okay, it. but maybe, maybe they do. Let's, let's in good faith say they do care, but the problem is the way they position themselves, they've abandoned the responsibility laid out in the bylaws that they're supposed to hold within the organization. And so if, at best, they react to something if it even gets to them. It sounds to me like everything is filtered through the presidency and the various corporate, unelected corporate officers and directors. So at best, they're reacting to something when it's brought to them. I don't think that's not, really the case. I think they would tell you they're getting a lot of stuff passed up to them. So the, the Tony Cowden situation specifically was passed up through his area director, yeah. for example. You know what I mean? Like that guy was CC'd in on all that stuff. Yeah. So the way I see it, we can bring the board and the organization into alignment with its bylaws one of two ways. We can amend the bylaws to better reflect the current situation. <laughs> and we just admit to ourselves <laughs> that one man is going to run the organization. Because right now, what good is the board? I'm no. sorry to say that, but what good is it? What do they do other than rubber stamp what gets brought to them? Well, that, that or, is what they do. Or, I mean, it's going to take either the existing board saying, like, we're going to change this. We're actually going to do what we're, uh, we were elected to do as laid out in the bylaws, which, frankly, it's not going to happen. Or we're going to have to elect some some people to the board who will actually do what they're supposed to be doing because here's how i see it you and i talked about this before which is yeah um 
the, the easiest and best analogy is, and this assumes that people know even real life civics, which is, <laughs> but the president's the president. Okay. He's the executive. The board is the Congress legislature and DNROI is the court, the Supreme court, the courts, whatever. Yeah. The board the legislature is supposed to pass the policy and the law. The president executes it, and the DNROI um, makes rulings on it when things are gray or, or unsettled or whatever else. <laughs> well, the situation we have now is we have a board that, by and large, they would not like it to, to, to be it said, but by and large, they rubber stamp what Foley wants to do. I think he had a particularly stupid policy one time that they – they he didn't get his way on something to do with funding the world shoot teams like it was asinine what he was yeah. proposing like defunding the world shoot teams even if like there was a secondary voluntary fund created to fund it or so i don't remember the specifics of it but he was pushing something demonstrably stupid like and that didn't that didn't go but i think he pretty much does what he wants and dnroi i don't think that are and are like the DNROI understands the difference between making rules and interpreting rules. I don't think that's a difference that he could articulate. Yeah, well, and and the membership, and I'm talking to to all you members out there. You're doing a really bad job of keeping people accountable. Like you're doing a really really shitty job of it, and you should probably do better. Whoa. Um, Tyler, what do you mean? What are they supposed to do? Well, I'll I mean, defend the membership, Tyler. What are they not doing that they should be doing? They're not keeping their elected officials accountable. Well, the, in what way should they do here. that? Huh? Anybody who pushes back on anything gets uh, gets some backlash. Well, why don't you step up and do like? Why don't you do this or that? Like, it's not a secret. Like, I'm the most hated dude in USPSA, and my criticisms of the organization are fucking pretty tame i'll be honest like i call out like insane shit when i have to and most stuff i don't say anything about so people see like how i get tarred and feathered in public other people see that stuff and they don't say anything they definitely yeah. don't say anything and usually it'll be like any any criticism they get back will be you well, why don't you volunteer or you don't help or whatever we're saying they don't really trying to encourage anybody to volunteer. They just want you to shut up. Yeah, I don't know. And oh, I know. How, many, I mean, how many times have you been to a match, Tyler? That's a terrible match. It's like the worst match ever. And there's nothing but praise for it to be found online. Yeah. How many times has that happened? Yeah. Well, and if you, I mean, the problem with that is you go to a match that's genuinely good, really interesting. A lot of effort was put forth and when you say, hey, this was a really great match, it's like people can't tell the difference. You know what I mean? Between a match that like they really did something special and put for a special effort that should be recognized versus a match that was complete shit show and everybody will just pat them on the back anyway. Yeah. Thanks for volunteering, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> I got another email for you, Tom. So how do we change it? How do we change oh. it? We don't. It's fucked and it's not getting fixed. It's my view. Um, 
I thought the podcast with Leighton and your comments in the next in the next podcast were very interesting, especially with how the recent rules changes are largely oriented towards either one removing barriers to entry or two minimizing the chance that customers might get ticked off about not being able to shoot in their division due to I don't know an illegal hammer. Since removing barriers to entry is one of the board's big goals, I'm sure it's only a matter of time until power factor goes away. FYI, this is going to be a wall of text. Sorry. Yeah, so there's a ton of stuff in here. But uh, basically, the guy who wrote this email said he's going to take up for Nikki Antola and compare USPSA to golf. So um, U.S. Golf Association has seven or 8,000 member clubs and seven to 800,000 individual members. The Internet also says that USPSA's numbers are 440 member clubs and 30, or 33,000 individual members. So USGA is about 20 times larger. Uh, and he's got a bunch of here comparing golf courses to USPSA, and he's trying to solve the overcrowding issue for area matches. Okay, here we go. The way to solve overcrowding issue for area matches and certain section matches is to implement a barrier to entry, which means this will never happen with the current board. But say 75 or 80% for the first set of registrations for area matches, um, and then you have to be at least 65% in your classification for section matches or something. So he's going to start gating major matches by skill. What do you think about that, Tyler? Pipe dream. Yeah, that's a total fucking pipe dream. That's not going to happen. Well, here, let me tell you this. Just today, and it's, it's relevant, it's fresh. It was recorded just a few weeks ago. Um, less than a month, probably, by the time this hits. It was an interview that... Um, President Mike Foley did on another podcast. <laughs> and Bingo? No, I'm right oh, here. I'm just laughing. Oh, your video dropped out for me. But um, the word inclusivity was used probably about a dozen times. So, I mean, that tells me right now or right away. Um, Do you think USPSA should not be inclusive, sir? <laughs> What are you saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty so, racist. I mean, that, pretty that racist, tells you, Tyler. That tells you right there. Well, and you, know, you, you joke, but that—that's exactly the argument. That's how that works. Because who can argue against such a wonderful and nice thing as inclusivity? That's oh, that's can. the problem. It's it's super defensible. Is that who who can argue against inclusivity? So I mean that betrays right there what it's all about. It I mean we've seen the the progression of things with division rules. Everything's loosening, loosening, loosening. Like they amended the bylaws so that they can change rules more frequently. They switched <laughs> to an evergreen rule book so that they can change the rules more frequently. It gives them flexibility to change and. So what you're, what you're talking about, applying more barriers to entry is anathema to everything they're doing and have done for the last five years. It's crazy. Well, a lot of it for me, like a lot of my, like what drives me or my thinking about this is kind of like make it a really cool sport and make the sport the coolest thing you can. And then as many people as want to come do that thing with you that are really into it, then have them come. And that's awesome. Uh, but stuff, I mean, stuff that makes it more accessible and easier for people, a lot of times dumbs it down for the people that are here. Probably the big thing that we have is a scoring system. Mm -hmm. 
It's the scoring system. So we have hit factor scoring, which is complicated, difficult to figure out, difficult to understand. Um, you may shoot. But, you may shoot multiple years before you have like a real like yeah. granular understanding of that. Yeah, it's complicated, but hit factor is interesting enough that it's mm-hmm. what makes uh, USPSA really, really awesome. And uh, well, when USPSA caved into pressure from the three gun community and basically switched, they essentially switched USPSA to time plus scoring for multi gun. Did that do anything good for USPSA multi gun? I don't no. know what that is. What? Never heard of it. <laughs> exactly. It's one match a year. Yeah, it didn't do anything for you. I mean, all it did was like they they had this niche product and they just, you know, made it. Well, in their view, it'd be a niche product. And then they're like, oh, we'll make it a mass market product. But then they changed their product, uh, as they would call it. And now it's like now there's, there's still no interest in it because you have to make a cool sport and then have people yeah. come to it. It doesn't you don't like try to hop on the bandwagon that other people are doing, Yeah, at least in my view. Well, and not to to relitigate things that we've talked about a hundred times before. But I mean, when you dumb things down, you get a different sort of person to the sport. Let me explain. Like if (laughs) you may have, when the, when the restrictions are tight, when it is somewhat hard to understand, it's sort of a labyrinth and it's a little intimidating or a lot intimidating to come out and you have to navigate both the shooting itself plus like what, you know, what division do I shoot in? Like when you dumb that stuff down, yes, you get more people, but they don't have as much invested in it. It costs less to them to participate when it costs a lot. You have people who are invested. They're willing to put in the time to learn. Um, Oh, this Vickers base plate thing, uh, would bump me out of production under the old rules. I have to take that out. Like, I think when the barriers of entry are higher, you attract people who are more invested and are more likely to become uh, really valuable members of this sport. But not they're, they're not valuable to the organization as the right. organization is being run now. Right. I mean, like, like, let's think on a club or individual level, like, you no, know, they're the, still, but they're valuable. They're just the same value as a dude that comes out yes, and shoots right. one time. Yes. It's the same <laughs> value. So if you're, if you're, if you are an organization built around and uh, prioritizing revenue, you want five people, you know, just doesn't matter what or what caliber or quality because they're 25 bucks or 40 bucks all spins the same. Well, I can, I can give you a pretty good, uh, a pretty good example, Tyler, about the, like this, like kind of raising the barrier to entry, um, and not making it easy for people. So you use that as a screening mechanism. So training group is a really good example of that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. as you've noticed on there, there's yeah. a lot of rules. And if you don't follow them, you're going to have a problem. You know what I mean? And if you want feed, like if you want a feedback done, it's, and it's not because I'm an asshole or Mm -hmm. an asshole. It's not that it's like in order for things to be efficient, it has to be like, everybody has to be on the same sheet of music. It has to be a certain way. So like, there's like a two page thing of here's how you upload your video, like how to format it, how to style it and how to get it to me so I can get it turned around quickly. Um, 
I don't have to, I don't sit there and like bang on about those rules or like talk down to people if they're stupid or whatever. It's just like, this is how it has to be. And if it's not, if somebody sends a video up, like they, they put it on Google drives, like, nope, we use YouTube. Just like you ship it to YouTube. This is how this works. And, uh, you know, and all the little pieces of that, that works well because like if like people who are dumb, like they read that set of rules and they're like, yeah, this isn't for me. Or if they're, if they're not really into it or if they're lazy or whatever, you know, they'll look at that and be like, this isn't for me. This is too much. And it's that that's actually good for me and good for them because they're not going to be happy and I'm not going to be happy fucking mm-hmm. with them. Neither of us are going to be happy in that relationship. So instead, you just lay it out right from the beginning. So USPSA, the same thing. If you have a, a set of rules, that's firm but fair. It's enforced, yeah. you know, evenly, but it like it has some particulars for what you can have on your gun and what you can't. If you lay that out for somebody, like, yep, this is the rules. And they look at that and they're like, fuck, this isn't for me, dude. And this, and I would say, okay, no problem. Yeah. It's not for you. I, I think like, I think that's, that's the kind that's the kind of like self selection. Even if yeah. the selection is no, that's the sort of self selection that lends itself to creating. In in your case, in training group, you know that was planned on purpose. On purpose, and you have cultivated the environment that's suitable to what you're trying to accomplish, which is learning and training. Like, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, self-selection works, and that's that's spot on to my point before, which yeah. is you know, when that doesn't happen, you're getting all kinds, and I think to some extent we may be witnessing. We, you know, time will tell, whatever. But well, no, it's uh, here's a good example of the type of participation that me personally, I just don't give a shit about. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I wouldn't. Like I wouldn't try to encourage it. So you've got, you've seen this many times. I'm sure there's a dude come like who's coming to matches and he's really into it. And then uh, for whatever reason, he, he starts bringing his wife or his girlfriend or whatever, like starts bringing her. And you can just tell like the only reason she's there is to be hanging out with him. He's kind of like over in her shit. And I know that this offends people that I'm gendering this. That's because <laughs> 99% of the time, this is the way it's going to work. Okay. Uh, but like, he's got to be over in there. Like he's basically got to be filling her mags for her to make sure that she's there and she's, you know, that that's all happening. And you could tell he's putting in a lot of practice. She's kind of like, whatever about it. Like, so I look at that and like, yeah, I don't like, this is all fine, but it's like, this is all fine to me. But when we start to run out of places and matches, I know who I don't want there. Or I know who we, I know who we could afford yeah. to lose because when, when he goes from USPSA or when she goes from him, she's not going to be there anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, why are we kidding ourselves? Like she's yeah. not really into this and that's okay. I'm not, it's okay to not be into it. That's fine. Yeah. I don't think we need to do anything to like try to keep those people around or try to bring more of them. Like, I don't give a fuck about like, like, all right, like whatever. Yeah. Well, I think I think maybe you know we're sort of witnessing witnessing um, the cashing in on USPSA, um, you know, because USPSA. Don't get me wrong; like I'm not shit talking USPSA because it's great. It's still where the the baddest of the bad shooters, pistol shooters, hang out, and that's what I love. But I just I wonder. And I hope it's not the case that we're sort of killing the golden goose here. We're cashing in a little short-sightedly. 
But um, yeah, what do I know? <laughs> I don't know. Time to move on. Mr. Matt, what do you got going on? Well, maybe a little to switch it up. I have a, I don't know, what do you call it? Show and tell. Show and tell. Great. Show it and tell us so all about it. I'm going to show and tell you guys. So I'm going to switch here real quick. This is my show and tell. It is a fan. It's a portable battery operated electric fan. Uh, started using that this year. It takes batteries. You can switch them out as two different speeds, but it's so light and so portable that you could take it with you on the range from stage to stage, going around, carrying it, turning it on when you're in front of it, and it changes how you feel at a match. And I would recommend it to anybody that's out there. You can buy two batteries and you get a fan for free for $99 right now. So <laughs> why are you laughing? Say that again. It's like it's $99 for two batteries and a fan. Okay. I'm sure you've spent more than $99 on something less useful. Well, that's obvious, but I <laughs> see uh, my my uh <laughs> My my brain wallet disconnect is strong, so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a Riley One Plus battery system. Uh, so there's like how much how much runtime out of a battery, Matt? So I have the three amp batteries, and I've had two different matches now where shoot one match all day, ten stages at a major, and the battery lasts all day. They have bigger batteries or smaller batteries, and if you're out there longer, excuse me, longer than like six or eight hours, you probably need a second battery. Mm -hmm. But if you turn it off when you're like downrange pasting or something like that or shooting, it lasts all day. So you don't have to worry about it. Uh, I've had it at two matches now, and I've seen at least two shooters buy one right after the matches where they saw me have it. So all I'm saying is, Ryobi, maybe you should start sponsoring But that's my show and tell today. I'll have it at all the major matches this year. Like, it's so good. I'm going to ship it to Florida when I'm stuck down there for a week. <laughs> uh, well, I have some stuff going on. I should probably wait for Joel to be on to talk about some other stuff we've got going on. But I did. I shot a match yesterday. I sent Matt the footage, and he wasn't impressed, but it makes me a little shooting slow. Yeah. I saw you yeah. shot a lot of alphas. You shot 96% of the points. So, Is that what it was? I mean, uh, that's what practice score says. Okay, I would have yes. thought it would have been higher, actually. 96%? That's good, right? Did you say you dropped eight Charlies or something? I, I had 11 in a seven-stage match. Oh. That sounds right. 11's a lot. You could have maybe only done one per stage. So I'm... Uh... Oh, that's true. There was one stage I one stage I fucked up a little bit. I'm not gonna lie uh, on the uh, alpha account. But uh, all right, Matt. So, um, well, what is there to talk about? So I could talk about the fact that I shot a Glock in the match, or I could talk yeah, about what, the what, yeah, what were you shooting? Gun. Well, I've shot a I shot a, a carry optics match before, but um, yeah, I'm checking my points. I think Tyler is correct that it was. 
a measly uh, 90, 96% of the points available. Might have been 97. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, so I shot a Glock before. I'm going to pro. I have to get uh, some SIG legions as well with dots mounted on them for some other stuff I'm doing. So I might shoot those uh, as well in a match later in the year. But um, really, I'm just getting ready to come fuck with you at the Great Plains section, Matt. Dude, I'm ready for you. I'm ready for you. It's going to be good. Got my Shadow 2 production guns out and ready. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> That'd be the, how do you know? Because your hand's fucked up and you don't want to do all the reloads. Yeah, that's, that's true. It is pretty fucked there up. There's no way that you were going to want to do three or four reloads. Hold on. If I, could, if I could troll you, it would be worth it, though. No, it wouldn't. Causing yes, physical would. pain to not annoy me that yeah, much? It would. It would for sure. And then it'd be like a grudge match between you and Joel. Like, you can't escape the heat, man. Dude, there's good. Production is the heat there at that match. Who is Really? Who is it? Jared, Joel, uh, John Anderson. Two guys from Illinois, Eric and Mike. Oh yeah, there's five like legit dudes that could win that, and I think uh, there's some other guy from Minnesota coming down too. And there's just a couple of retards shooting carry optics, right? Uh, yeah, all of them. It was you and me, and I don't know who else. I didn't really look. I wouldn't say I'm a I'm the Heat there though. You're the Heat, Matt. I'm coming for you. I just want to beat you on one stage, one time. That's all That's I got to do. All right. So uh, specific takeaways. I mean, I don't know if I have any takeaways for you from shooting a match. It was just nice to get to go shoot a proper match. <laughs> Finally. Well, how did the, uh, the Glock run? Oh, man, it's been Glock perfection, let me tell you. Uh, have you cut up the slide on that at all, or are you just running the, the slide and a plate? Okay. Well, we'll make it a show and tell. I'll come back. <laughs> I don't know if he did any trigger work also. I suspect no, but maybe. Yeah. I bet there's at least a connector and a spring swap in there. Like a recoil spring or something? Uh, yeah, striker spring. The stock stri uh, stock recoil spring's okay in those usually? Mm. Uh, I mean, do they run? Yeah. Would they run like scraping the floor of Power Factor? No. Yeah. Okay. I in the Gen fives, I think you need probably either a thirteen or a fifteen work. Okay. I bet he did all that. Yeah. I bet he did recoil striker. You said connector. Uh, I bet he put a connector in there. Tim, okay. Tim, Pro Shop Tim uh, put together a package. The Tyler Turner Sorry for package. That, guys, it took a little longer than I anticipated. But did anyway. you put? Did you put the the Turner trigger package from the Pro Shop in your? In your Glock? No, the Turner trigger package did not. I don't think it existed. Oh, wait, no. They were sent to me. Yes, they're in there now. So, okay. um, so is that everything? So. You, me and Tyler were talking about guessing what you did to the gun. Okay, well, I'll be honest with you. I personally did nothing. Oh, Jesus. So the couple of springs got changed in the trigger. And then somebody with the proper, like whatever the the proper torque wrench or whatever they installed the optics the only the only problem uh was the mounting plate which was fucked up from the one from glock so i have the aftermarket one that everyone's using now and that one's been solid and stayed in place so which gun is this 
I said a couple of these. Okay, so these guns have been around for a while now. I think I've had them maybe six months, and I've just been shooting them for some for some work stuff and a little bit of training in myself. I've shot the guns hard in training, maybe two weeks on my own. Normally, I'm shooting my my ten folios, obviously, but um, shooting these sometimes is fun because it kind of I don't know, it kind of makes a point, doesn't it, Matt? It's a very interesting, from what I, yes, it's very interesting. <laughs> Tell me more, Matt. No, it's just very interesting. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're like the you? double action guy. You're the double action guy, so why are I you am, shooting? So, How can you uh, even well, shoot that, then? This, how can <laughs> yeah. I shoot the Glock? Yeah, how can you even shoot it? I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard work, but, um, but someone's got to do it, so... Yeah. Uh, this, this is convenient for, well, for training stuff. I did shoot it, um, I did shoot it all in that, uh, SWAT class that I did as well, the X-ray alpha class. Um, so the, I think this gun has got like 25,000 rounds through it. The, and I don't think this one is jammed. I have, my other one is jammed because I have two set up the same. The other one's jammed a couple times, but this one's been good. Um, no issues with it. Uh, I have, I've, uh, not cleaned it yet. Let's be honest. At all. At all. Not cleaned it. I added oil a couple times, but I've not cleaned it. And um, I haven't actually turned the dot off either for six months. Really? And I haven't changed the battery. <laughs> I'm just leaving it alone and seeing what happens. <laughs> that gun might be the best gun for you, I think, at this point. <laughs> Why do you say that, Matt? <laughs> just because of exactly what you just said. <laughs> And, Did you change uh, the recoils? No, you're shooting some hot ammo out of it. Okay, right? I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, I'll level with you. I bought recoil springs to change, but this is you have to uh, like install the 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 new guide rod because these are the captive systems in these. So uh, I have the springs, but um, as I take this apart, you will see I haven't actually put in the new ones yet. I just still have the factory ones in because I'm. Uh, exceedingly lazy so are yes. you running uspsa ammo or other ammo uh most most of the ammo shot through my glocks has been gold dot that's okay, the yeah. most frequent thing i shoot so i shot um when i shoot my reloads through these it's like the 125 grain reloads that i shoot the blue bullets uh those feel good i really like those uh, 125 grain factory ammo the pmc stuff that Juancic's all about I think that ammo is really good paired with these guns. I did shoot some action pistol, the 150 grain federal action pistol stuff. And it actually, it's like, uh, it feels soft It's a little, it's a little slow feeling, but it's very soft. Uh, I don't necessarily really like it. I kind of prefer 125 greens, especially with my metal guns. I prefer the 125s for sure. That makes but sense. I'll, but I'll say this, when I shoot my stock twos, after like after uh, like a couple of days of shooting the Glock, when you shoot the, the the stock twos or the limited guns, it's like holy fuck. Like this trigger makes it so much easier. <laughs> holy fuck. <laughs> uh, because the, the triggers in these are not good. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. They're they're very much Glock triggers. So you guys know I'm experimenting with P10 basically, and I totally understand that statement yeah you pick up your shadow too again probably and there's like you you just Dude, I have, the trigger the gun goes even, off and you just lay rounds right on top of each other i haven't even picked it up because i want to go back to it 
<laughs> like I put them in the safe last or whatever this spring and haven't touched them. <laughs> and I don't think I will till after November of next year. Yeah, because if you touch them, you know it's over, right? Yeah, and I'll be like, oh, I think I could do this with one month of practice on the P10. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, so like, to be honest, this gun, like the Gen 5 Glocks, they're they're very functional guns. They work well. They're really good for practical use, obviously. Um, it doesn't quite fit my hand perfectly. It's close. It's good. But it's not quite perfect. Do you use a backstrap? Uh, no, my backstrap is counterproductive for me. So oh, my hands okay. are a little bit, well, I don't have big, big hands, so no backstrap on it. Um, yeah, I haven't done anything to the frame. I didn't grind out anything or add sandpaper anywhere or really do shit of any kind. So it fits pretty well. I'm sure if I went to one of those Glock shops, I could make it fit perfect, but that would sort yeah. of be, again, counterproductive to the point of this thing is to be cheap and simple. Uh, yeah, so... so have you noticed anything without all the stippling or sandpaper stuff during a long day and shooting it or anything? No, compared it's, to the it's other fine. guns, it's fine. It's good to go. Is that because of grip texture on it? No, it's because I use have, Pro Grip yeah, and try to keep my hands dry. Okay. No, I mean, I have, I don't think it really needs a whole lot. I don't. I the. It, uh, well, maybe this will offend some people, but I think buying a Glock and then doing $2,000 worth of work to it after the fact is ridiculous. It's so stupid. It makes no sense to me at all. I mean, my favorite is when people change the barrels. So they have a Glock and like, it was like, so you're shooting the gun and it was like, the gun worked, right? And they're like, yeah, it worked really good. And it was like, and then they're like, yeah, and I changed barrels and now this and this. And I'm like, well, what the fuck? Like, what? <laughs> like, what? It doesn't even make sense to me, but that's what people well, like to yeah. get it. I mean, especially, especially in the Gen 5 guns, those OEM barrels are so accurate. It, you're, you're sort of an idiot if you replace the OEM barrel for any kind of aftermarket barrel. Because no, they are the, so accurate. Yeah, no, the gun is extremely accurate. It's, it's, a, it's a very nice gun. Um, I don't have a whole lot of complaints with it. It's obvious. I mean, it's again, it's still a Glock. It's not a competition gun. It's for practical use, but you know. The only thing I don't like about the Gen 5 guns, and I'm curious to know if you've experienced this, mine longer. gets really, really hot, really, really fast, and it doesn't dissipate the heat as quickly because the prior generation long slide models had the uh, front window cut out. Yeah. The top side cut out. And these don't, and so I wonder if that's, I'm assuming that's why mine gets so hot. So I am curious about, like, throwing that in the mill or having someone, like, cut the window, the old-style window in a Gen 5 gun, just to see if that would help. Not for, like, slide lightning or any other nonsense, just for heat dissipation. Maybe it would help. Um, I shoot guns pretty hot a lot of the times. I'll... I mean, I'll be honest, there's been a few days where I'm like shooting the fuck out of one of these. Um, and I'll shoot it so hot that like I'm holstering it up loaded and I feel like a little nervous with how hot the gun. I'm like, man, I know it's irrational, but I feel like that one's going to cook off in there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> what? It's maybe a little irrational. 
No, I, but that that would be like three hundred rounds in the space of like ten minutes, Matt. I think that's probably okay. I think it's okay too, but the gun is so hot. Like I'm afraid it's like it's it's like bowing my holster because I'm putting it in there so hot that I can feel the holster softening up. To it, your heat form. Okay, I mean I know the gun's not going to cook off, but I can't help it when I'm holstered. I'm like, I hope that doesn't cook off, even though I know it won't, because it's fucking hot. It's not like shooting a rifle like color change hot, but it's hot. I think that's what it would take to, you know, sell one. Oh, absolutely. You'd have to like shoot the barrel like red hot, literally, I'm sure, to cook to cook stuff off. But that doesn't that doesn't change it. I'm like, it's so hot when I'm putting it in there. Like, my God. So I don't know, Tyler, maybe, but uh I think at that point you're better off just to have two guns and then rotate them. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say, Matt, yes, this makes me like I really appreciate the triggers on my stock twos. Really appreciate them a lot. A lot. Yes, so do I. I So, I I mean, the only time uh, shooting this gun when I feel like the the gun's in my way is when the targets are really close and I'm trying to run the shit out of the gun. Like, I just can't run this trigger as hard as I can run, like, like I don't know what my limited guns are. Like, a pound and a half with barely any travel. Like, I can't run these things as hard up close. And when I'm shooting really far away, what's driving the speed of the shooting is how I can run the trigger, not how I can aim the gun. Because I'll shoot and the, the gun will come out of recoil and settle. And it like everything's good. I just have to press the trigger very carefully or I'm going to have an issue. But, I mean, aside from that, it's, it's good to go. So I'm to hear another podcast about Tyler's experiment he's doing. What, Maybe what's Tyler doing? A month or two. Is he shooting a shadow? No. No, I did that. That didn't work out. <laughs> I thought it, the experiment worked out. I mean, I just we'll have to wait. What one or two months or more, Tyler? Uh, uh, give me split the difference. Give me six weeks, and I know I'll know whether or not it's going to work, and whether or not I'll I'll shoot it at uh, Georgia State and Nationals. Uh, sounds good. Sounds like we'll hear back in about two months on how Tyler's oh, experiment. Are you shooting a tan? <laughs> Floglio, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I heard they're good guns, man. Yeah, what I've heard. All right, guys, uh, do we have time for a question? Because we've that sucked was, up a lot of time on. Minutes. Yeah, why not? Well, because Matt's getting bored. No, we got. I'm good. Ben, I'm a 48-year-old new shooter to competition, just over a year. When I started last March, I shot a few USPSA matches. They were okay. My performance, as expected, sucked. Then I shot an Outlaw Steel match at a local club and did fairly well. I then went to, on to do some sanctioned Steel Challenge matches. I enjoy them. I can practice the various stages at home. They are the same at every match, no matter where you go. And I feel that I improve every time I participate in a match. I'm currently B class in C O R F R O and R F P O and C class in some Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. Recently, I started trying to. Hold on. Hold on. Ben, what are those abbreviations stand for? I don't give a fuck. Shit. Do they have 13? I read they have 13 it's divisions. 13. It's 13. 13 yeah. divisions. Yes. Yeah. Fuck out of here. 
Recently, I started trying USPSA again. Results were a little better when I started, but very frustrating for me. As of this typing, I have done a total of nine USPSA matches, including one major. Here's my question. I want to enjoy USPSA. I really do. However, when I go to a match, I suffer with remembering my stage plans. Yes, I know the added pressure of a match doesn't help. No, sir. As a matter of fact, it's going to be counterproductive, I think you'll find. Anyway, but I feel that the technical aspect of USPSA, along with trying to remember my stage plan, is just too much for me. Is it because I'm still a new shooter and this will get better over time? Accuracy is not really a problem for me. I usually rank towards the top results for A-zone hits. I get frustrated when I have a shit stage. It ultimately ruins the match for me, and I regret my decision to participate in these events. I think Did we talk about this, this like earlier in the podcast? Like, it's okay if it's not for you. That's okay. Yeah. Well, um, I think, like, is that the end of the question? Because I have some thoughts. No, that's the end of the question. So... I think the the reason why this guy likes Steel Challenge more is he's seen at one match or two matches everything Steel Challenge will present itself ever. Mm-hmm. Like from the beginning of history to the end of history of Steel Challenge, he's seen it all in two matches. In nine USPSA matches, he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he's seen and he's still having to learn it. So he's just not put enough time in. And he might or might not continue on at this point. Who knows? Well, him, right? Uh, well, spoiler alert, Matt. There was a little back and forth. He emailed me. He's like, hey, haven't heard the answer to the question yet. I'm not sure if you drew Okay, I'll just read what he wrote. I wanted to reach out and tell you that you don't need to answer it. I've kind of answered it myself. I've been competing in more USPSA matches over the last four weeks. I've decided to direct my efforts to improving in USPSA and scrap my steel challenge plans for now. My last four matches have been much improved and have been able to work on some skills during the walkthroughs that have helped with stage retention. Came up with some class wins, so I'm headed in the right direction. Thank you for putting, continuing to put on an amazing podcast that I will continue to listen to, as well as incorporating some of your drills from your awesome books. Blah, blah, Okay. So, yes, uh, you, you were right, Matt. He just needs to do it more. And like, you, like what I would have said is the, hey – Nine matches in, like all the people walking through their air, like air gunning the stage that look really goofy. Like, I understand that looks goofy and you don't want to participate in that. But there's important things happening there with memorizing the stage. And you should uh, you should jump in on that. You should you should key in on that and do that thing. Watch the guys that finish at the top and see what they do. Yes. The guys that do well in the match are going to be doing that hokey bullshit where they walk through the stage uh, uh, seemingly 25 times, even though they've memorized it, you think. So you should do that hokey bullshit with them because it will be helpful. Well, I, I'm glad that that was his decision because, well, I mean, this is me, but I think USPSA is more rewarding um, overall and in the long term. I mean, the, the good thing about USPSA is also the bad thing, I suppose. In, the, in that sense, if you're new, the complexity seeing the multiple challenges presented multiple different ways over time. I and mean, that that's the thing about USPSA that keeps it fresh and interesting. That's also the thing that, you know, dogs you and drives you nuts about it. I mean, that's the appeal. Um, I don't know. I think to some extent and, uh, you know, hate mail if you want, you know, <laughs> be pissed <laughs> if you want, but I, there's a reason steel challenge is easier on the ego it's because it's easier like both the game itself and competition is not as intense i think ultimately like it's just a little less rewarding 
than uh, USPSA. So I'm glad for this guy. I think in the long term he'll he'll be more fulfilled by uh, pursuing USPSA. Well, I'm happy for him too. Are you happy for him, Matt? Absolutely. Well, we're all happy then. All right, guys. Thank you so you know much who's for happy. But that's one more one more member they can count in their numbers. Yeah, and I'm the worst kind of member. I'm a life member now, which means there's not membership dues to be extracted from me any longer. You're actually it's even worse than that because they have money. to amortize it. No, they have to amortize it out. Like they have to keep that in a separate account. Yeah, and they have and to only like, move certain Yes. Yeah, they gotta figure out a way to stop sending front sites to the life members, then they'll be good. <laughs> However they do it, but they'll just be like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> It'd be great. Cost too much. <laughs> Amazing. All right, guys. Like I said, thank you so much for coming on. I do appreciate it. And uh, listeners, if you have a question you'd like to hear Tyler rant about, go to bensticker.com, send me your question, and we will we will happily discuss it.